Hello and welcome everybody. SF Live episode 161 this morning. It is Tuesday. And uh, in a few short seconds, I'll be joined by Matthew Horner. He's president and CEO of Maple Gold Mines. They have a really interesting joint venture with Agnico Eagle in Quebec, more exactly in the Abitibi Greenstone Belt. And we're going to drill, uh, drill down on uh, that joint venture and what it means for the company, of course. What are they working on? They have two really exciting projects, close to 3 million ounces of gold already uh, defined. And uh, we're going to talk about the plans for this uh, upcoming season. And of course, uh, we're going to get to some of your questions. As you know, this is an interactive format. So make sure to use hashtag AskMGM either on Twitter or use the YouTube chat to get your questions in. And uh, either we'll sprinkle the questions in during our conversation with Matthew or we'll use the, or we'll get to them at the end of our conversation, of course. So make sure you use that function as it is to your benefit, in our opinion. Also, don't forget to follow us on YouTube or follow us on Twitter. Hit that like and subscribe button, of course. And don't forget to turn on the bell notification as well. As we do all our interviews live, you do have the benefit of seeing directly or hearing directly from the CEOs. Make sure to use that to your advantage. Maybe there's something in there that you haven't heard before elsewhere and uh, you can pick up on and maybe act on. So make sure to use that to your advantage. Now, without further ado, let me switch over to Matthew Horner. Matthew, wonderful. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Good morning. Doing great. That's it's a nice day today here in Vancouver. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Last few days have been amazing. This is the first full weekend actually with sunshine, so I'm in a decent mood actually today. I'm not grumpy. I'm not going to throw you the worst critical questions I can think of. I think we're going to have a good chat. All right. <laughs> awesome. Um, let, let's start off though before <clears throat> we dive into some of the details and I hinted at plans for this year in terms of program, uh, drill program, etc. Let, let, let's catch us up on who is actually Maple Gold Mines and uh, give us a quick 30, 60 second overview of the company and then we'll dive a lot deeper. Sure. We're, we're located in Quebec, Canada. We're situated uh, about an hour away from a small town called, called Amos. It's a very well-known uh, mining town. We have now a 400 square kilometer land package that combines the Douai project with uh, Agnico's Jutel project. We have a 50-50 joint venture with Agnico on, on that whole, uh, on that combined land package. Okay. So we've been around since uh, the project has been around. The first discovery was made on the project in 1975 uh, when I was a small kid. Uh, it's gone through a number of different hands. I think we've finally got to the point where over the last few years we've understood uh, really well the, the geology. We have some great pathfinders and now we're starting to drive it towards something that will ultimately be one of the largest gold mines we believe in Canada, if not the world. There you go. That's a bold statement. That's interesting to hear. And then we're going to drill down. How are you going to get to that? You got to be bold. Of you course. Bold. You know, you got to have a vision too. I think a lot of yeah. companies are lacking vision. Like uh, you okay. got to have a goal in mind, right? So that's why I like asking about business plans and like, oh, we can't talk about what the end is. Like, well, you got to have a plan in mind and where things are going. And if your bold can... statement is world's largest gold mine, so be it. Like, I, I have no problem with that. Yeah. So unless you have a vision, unless you have a goal, you can't get there. Exactly. Right. So and some companies are so secretive about it, they want to talk about their goals and it's like, well, then you don't really have one. That's my opinion on that. So um, but let, let's uh, before we dive deeper into the projects themselves, let, let's start with the cap structure real quick and uh, let, let, run us through that. How has that changed over recent weeks and months? And then uh, talk about budgets, of course, this year as well. Sure. We, we inherited a cap structure that was ma mainly retail or large part retail. One of my mandates, in addition to bringing on, bringing on a strategic partner, which I did in the past for Ivanhoe when I worked with Robert Friedland and that whole group of companies, one of my personal mandates was to change the cap structure to include more of the institutional owner, ownership. So over the last six months, say, we've changed that, I think, quite dramatically to increase the institutional ownership 
bring down a little bit of the retail and give a, create a better blend, I think, overall. So we have now uh, Agnico is a large shareholder, Fidelity is a large shareholder, uh, the case depot has always been there since just after I joined and brought a new team in and a new field of the company. But yeah, that's that's one of the big uh, changes we've seen over the last uh, weeks and months. Okay. We're, when did you join? We're going to get back to the cap structure in just one second, but when did you join, just for perspective? 2017, coming it's up been on well now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's taken a while, but it's been some hard yards. <laughs> been some interesting years there, of course, but uh, yeah, I think if you persevere and you push hard and you think about creating shareholder value and you not nose to the grindstone, things could turn out okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, let's talk about shareholders or, or share structure real quick. Of course, 401 million shares out fully diluted. Um, what, what, what's the plan there? Are you looking at any options to maybe roll back? Is there is that an op, uh, a possibility? We, I mean, any, anything is always possible. We, we would never do that just on its own, it'd always be with some sort of objective in mind. It, it wouldn't be some surprise that we just do it and, and shock everybody. It, there'd have to be some transaction, some, you know, something else going on uh, in order for us to justify that type of a move. Okay, great. A question I'm trying to work in more often because we do have a quite a few uh, viewers from the U.S. as well. I know you're U.S. listed. I think the ticker is MGM dot uh, or MGMLF on the U.S. Uh, on the OTC. What are the plans? Are there any plans in the U.S.? Are you planning to uplist? Like, see, I always confuse Q, uh, QX and QB, right? Uh, on the OTC, I don't even know what the differences are. Like, I don't trade on there, so for me, it doesn't matter. But it's an outlet. We're, um, yeah, we're on the we're on the better of the two. Okay. And of course, of course, we've looked at NYSE. Uh, Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing our jobs. So we've looked at that option. It is available to us, but of course, it would have to be at the right time, the right market, everything else. We'd have to. We didn't want to hit the gap when it's open to us and run for the touchdown. Uh, if you forgive the football analogy, as a California football fan, I can't help it. Oh, works for me. That works for me. Fifty-six million warrants outstanding, though. Um, at what price level are they, and uh, who's holding those warrants? A large chunk of them are being held by Agnico. Uh, they have the right to get up to 19.9% by exercising the warrants that they uh, that they received in the last unit financing last September October at 34 cents. The rest are tradable warrants, which you can buy um, on the open market MGM.wt that uh, expire in 22 June of 22, and I think they're at 41 cents. Okay, so. No, it's not too bad, actually. I always like some warrants out there as well as a possibility for additional funding, of course, as well. Yeah, uh, if you if you add those two together, it equates to about twenty million bucks. So yeah. if 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 we're in a really hot market, which I think we will be over the next twelve months, there'll be a natural financing, and if it doesn't happen, then those fall off the cap, the cap structure. So either way, we win. Yeah. And uh, last financing was a bought deal at thirty six cents in December. Uh, yeah. What, what is left of the money? Where are we standing in terms of capital right now? Just under $20 million in the Treasury, and that doesn't include the joint venture uh, financing that uh, Nico is bringing to the table, which is $18.25 million over the next four years. So they've already started to spend that at this uh, on this year's drill program. Okay, great. And actually, since you mentioned it, let's uh, let's segue over to the exploration side and your your deal with Agnico Eagle. Uh, let's talk about that. You said they're going to spend or invest. So that's a good question, actually. Spend or invest eighteen and a half million dollars over four years. Um, run us through the deals of the of the uh, joint venture with them. Uh, the details. Uh, details. Are, yeah. Sorry, I think I said the details. deals. Are, they came. It's okay. They came in as with a strategic investment last October where there was about $7 million. They'd already put in a couple million dollars in August of last year. So on a combined basis, they got up to 12.8%. Uh, um, 
in addition to that, they they fund the projects. So we're carried on expiration at a minimum spend of four four five five. Well, four and a quarter, four five five, meaning first year is four and a quarter, next year is four, next five, last year is five. So that that is some something to to keep in mind is that that's a minimum spend for the project. We can always increase that as we get into some of the I'll call it the juicier rocks. We want to advance uh, the spend. That's a good day when we go to the market and say we're 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 increasing the 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 rate of, of spend. So that's the the on that end, uh, we have a 50/50 where they contributed Jutel, where now we have 50% of each other's projects encapsulated in this joint venture. Um, those are those are the highlights. Yeah, and that's a like as you, as you said, 50/50 means really they contribute 50%. You contribute 50% of all dollars spent on either project. After the eighteen and a quarter million spent by them. Oh, okay, okay, that that does make a difference. Okay, fantastic. So we, don't, we don't have to. That's why I said we're, we're carried on expiration for the first four years. We don't have to come out of pocket to spend anything over and above. In fact, you know, you can understand that or conceive of the uh, scenario where that eighteen and a quarter million dollars is sped up by them. They would just speed that spend up for, for example, two years or three years, and then after that it would be a fifty-fifty contribution. Okay. And uh, with the joint venture, like who's running the joint venture? Who's managing it? And uh, for for Junior, of course, as well, like who's controlling Newsflow? Well, we have a fiduciary ob obligation, of course, to our shareholders in the market to put out news that's material to us. What's material to us will be different from what's material to Nico, and that's legislated on, by, by the securities rules as to what we have to put out when. So there's no control one way or the other per se we and on top of that we happen to be the the general manager of the joint venture all that being said agnico and all the individuals there are fantastic human beings we love working with them there's a shared vision there they want to get after it they want to go aggressive as we want to go aggressive so we're finding it to be an absolute joy to work with them i felt this from last year when we started uh, the the deal term negotiations we had been speaking to them for a number of years They've been to site many, many times, but uh, I, I'd have to say that there is an absolute shared vision across the teams, and we love uh, we love our partnership with those guys. Yeah, in general, I've been speaking to a lot of companies that also have uh, arrangements with uh, Agnico, and I've yet to hear anything negative about them. They seem to be a dream partner, so I'm gl I'm glad from, to hear that. Yeah, from Sean Boyd all the way down there, everybody is uh, just top notch. Okay, so let, let's talk about next steps then. So you you finalized the joint venture agreement that happened recently. Um, what are what are the plans now moving forward? Run us through those. Yeah, we finalized that that uh, deal on February February second. Actually, my my brother's birthday uh, happened to be, and going forward, we're now in the middle of uh, this ten thousand ish meter program that uh, for the winter phase. So. The first quarter of the year is uh, that that amount of drilling. Um, the 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 results will come out in the next uh, weeks. We have another batch coming out in a week from now. After that is completed, we'll be putting all those assays out in the market, and we're focusing then on some of the other areas that we get to when the ground is not so cold. So that's Jutel. We're looking at the IP work there. Some of the historic uh, analog information has been digitized at at Jutel, which is uh, quite interesting. And so a lot of that information will be made public and will be coming out to the market, exp explaining everybody why we are so interested in that project in the, in the first place. And I think it'll it'll become clear uh, in the next uh, little while why, why that is the case. Okay, so, since, since you brought it up, let, let's stay on UTEL and then we're gonna talk about Dwai and the drill program in a second and results that you're expecting. Um, th the project was in Agnico's portfolio for quite a while, but they haven't worked on it, 
right? So yeah. what triggered them to all of a sudden, like, okay, let, let's do something with it. Like, and, and what are you discovering in the database? Like, what, what are you seeing? Why haven't they acted on it? Like, run us through the logic. Like, why all of a sudden this is so, so, so interesting? Okay, so as a trained lawyer, I have to like parse out the many questions in that question. There's a, what you call a compound question. So the first question was, yes, it was in their database for a long time. They, they had um, stopped production at that site in 1993. And at that time, gold was around $300 per ounce. But when they started uh, production in 1974, you can look at what the gold price was then. So it fluctuated between 90 and 350 bucks over the course of the 19 years that they were producing. Now, if you do a back of the envelope calculation to come up with what that would require the grade for it to be profitable, um, you can get to some pretty interesting numbers. So on that basis, uh, we did some extrapolations and some modeling and we said to ourselves, yes, there's an historic um, estimate there that we can't use right now because it's, it's out of date. But we got pretty comfortable last year after we did some, some uh, in-depth uh, research on that and speaking to our, our Agnico partners, uh, we got pretty in excited about what the, what the opportunities might there, uh, would, would be there. Now they, they shut that uh, project down in 93 um, and did and went back to I think in 2010 2011 with another partner and they had not digitized some of their information to understand exactly what might still be lying there we we actually have done that digitization well actually they did the digitization work they've completed that we've gone gone through and put through some uh, 3D uh, geologic models which will form uh, a nice presentation for the world to see and as we all know there has been some quite successful restarts in Quebec. Uh, in the in the past, Canadian Arctic among them. So, the reason you know sometimes things happen where you have a jewelry box that's hidden in the attic that you forget is there, and then you go find it, dust it off, and you open it up, and and lo and behold, you've you've found something quite interesting. And I think that is a the type of feeling we have with the Jutel. Okay, so I have a couple of follow up questions to that actually. So they, they mothballed it a while ago. It's like, what's the permitting uh, the permit situation there right now? Well, there's some reclaimed area that they kept on there for their account that is not for the joint venture. The permitting is uh, outside that area is uh, pretty much wide open. Okay, so it's because it's, it was a mine before, so it's not like it's it's a brownfield site. Like, what what does it take to get it repermitted? For example, when you're saying uh, a resurrection or re restart of an old mining district like uh, Canadian Malartic. Yeah, well, the nice thing there is that unlike Malartic, there's nobody living in and around that area at all. The underground workings are still intact. Of course, there, there's some water there. We'd have to pump back out. The, the, the buildings have been you know, uh, taken down. Uh, so if you walk across the brownfield, you'll see where the shaft was. There's a concrete area that's uh, capping the shaft. But it's all uh, ready to go. I mean, in one respect, ready to go. It requires some capital. But um, if, if the geology warrants it, it's, it's um, the options there for us. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned in the PowerPoint mentions as well, like uh, potential for near surface higher grade mineralization. And I'm particularly interested in the higher grade part. Like, what does that mean? Like, what's higher grade for you? Well, they, their average grade we calculated to be uh, production was about six and a half grams. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, and but but again, I, we believe if you just do the math, and I, and I can't, I can't. These are just my, you know, internal numbers, and I can't make these things public without actually having a press release. But if you just do the math on what you would acquire, and backwards calculate over the course of uh, 19 years to be profitable, 
when gold was between ninety and three hundred and fifty dollars, what that would require the grades to be to, to, to create a profitable project, you can get to some pretty interesting grades that would be, we think, far far greater than six nanograms on average. But but that's there's no updated studies on those along those lines so i can't make any public statements without having that to back it up yeah. so to, in order to back it up like what, what are the steps like what are you doing now to get to that level where you can actually openly talk about it we're doing all that work right now okay. so next in the next little while you'll be able to be uh, one of the first to understand okay. so all these and, and that i mean I'm, for a reason i'm not, I'm not gloomy uh, i'm actually a beat about this of course because we think it's a great deal for both us and Agnico. Yeah. And uh, that includes, of course, updating the IP or the, the IP survey, going through the historical data. You got the 3D models that you have now. Do you require any additional drilling to come uh, to, to reconfirm some of what you've been seeing? Well, there'll be phases, right? So the first phase will be the digitized information that love the IP that'll show what we found, what was there and what we have today. And then there'll be additional drilling after that to go after some of the near surface targets that we've come up with with Agnico uh, to drive the project forward. So, uh, yes, I mean, at each phase, there'll be more information needed to give, give you more of an in-depth review of what the project uh, has as a potential. Yeah, because what I've been trying to get out of you as well is like a resource update or a resource study, of course, like with, with a date. And like, that's why I've been asking about drilling, because you might have to do some confirmation drilling. Well, like, what's the timeline for a resource estimate for you tell there? Uh, I'm not at the moment. I I don't want to uh, take it has you know hazard a guess as you tell. I can tell, tell you do a uh, second half of this year. I would anticipate there be something on uh, do a that would be 19,000 meters or so of new drilling that would be added into the resource estimate update. So that that is uh, something on the other side of the. Uh, the line, so to speak, on the way that, that I can't talk about that we have a plan for. Yeah. Let's uh, let's sum it up then for you. Tell lots of excitement. You're obviously very giddy about it. I can tell. And uh, like, I wish you could tell us more. But of course, we understand you, you can't right now. I wish I could. Right? Too. I wish. Um, so quite excited to see more on that. Um, what's the timeline for reports? Any, any imminent or like, how, how do you define that? Yeah. Uh, we were as fast as soon as we possibly can. I mean, I'm you know, hopefully weeks in the coming weeks for this first kind of information out to the market. Okay, awesome. And no, that, that follow consistent flow after that. Oh, okay, awesome. Let's let's talk about the the drill program you got going right now. The fall uh, the fall sure. slash spring. What's it actually called? The spring program for for uh, Duay. Yeah, yeah. Something I'm never comfortable with how that's des described either because we say it's the winter program, but it's finishing in the spring. And you know, anyway, it's we call it the winter program because it started in January. Okay. Normally, I call okay. winter. November to February, but anyway, it's a little bit shifted up there. We, we actually prefer it to be colder up there when we drill because it allows for less expensive drilling. But there's also some higher, higher and drier area that doesn't require any uh, hard ground that, that allows us to actually drill there year-round. Okay, so you, but you still have some results coming out, and the presentation says from fall 2020, right? So there's still some yeah, holds there's, pending? There's a little bit more. I think most of this stuff's out, but that'll come. I mean, the labs have been back you know, backed up for months. Uh, we, we expect another batch to come uh, at the end of this week or end of, uh, next week. And then we've been promised that there'll be uh, a weekly delivery of assays. Of course, once those come in, we have to interpret them. We have to compile them, get them in the right format, and then put them out to the market. Sure thing. And uh, how, how far was, like for now, the winter program, which started in January, how far was Ignico already involved in that process? Like maybe targeting, did they have any input or say on it? Understanding that it, it was your project that you brought into the joint venture. Um, how, how much of a say did they already have in terms of targeting and technical uh, discussions? Oh, we, we started 
acting as if they, they were our partners from the day we signed the binding term sheet last October. So although um, a lot of those negotiation points for the definitive documentation were perfunctory, we treated them as our full partners. And so we actually acted uh, on the project level as if we were jointly looking at targets and get, getting their ideas. I mean, something that needs to be mentioned is that if you have a group like that, that has a full engineering component within their company, incredible exploration team, all of that is now uh, being at that brain trust is now available to the joint venture, which is something that's probably missed by a lot, but a lot of the audience, but it should be remembered. So we've worked with them on all the targeting from day one, for day one, which was for us October, I think, 8th of last year. And so all that is included in the, the drilling and targeting that we've now near completion on at uh, Dewey. Okay. What, what's, what's the goal of the Trill program? What are you trying to do with it? I know you already have 2.8 million ounces already combined. I know I'm allowed to say it, you're not. So um, what, what is it? Uh, what, what's the plan of the program? No, I mean, the 2.8 is something that's out on a resource estimate. I think the uh, the point of this program is to expand the known resource. You know, when we shifted uh, companies from our, uh, Micon to RPA, we, we went back a couple hundred thousand uh, ounces, but we kind of knew that was going to come just from the spacing. Uh, I think to get some of those back by putting some holes uh, in tighter spacing to expand is one very simple thing we could say that's very easy to do. but more holistically to expand the resource itself by drilling around the resource, but also to to connect some of the higher grade pods and some higher grade zones uh, is, an, is also an important uh, target for us. That, in addition to the resource expansion we're working on is finding new discovery areas outside, like the uh, Northeast IP and uh, the P8 and other sections that weren't included or not included in the current resource estimate. Gotcha. And uh, so it's a two-pronged two approach. Okay. Any any indication or a feel when the first results will be coming out of there, out of that program? Uh, we we uh, cracked the whip like literally daily. We had a call this morning with Fred on on how we get SGS to start moving faster. Uh, I, I, if you have any great ideas, if any of your callers know anybody SGS that we can talk to or take to dinner. <laughs> I was uh, going to say, leave some beer on the doorstep. I'm not sure if that helps with a nice greeting card or something. I don't know. <laughs> whatever, whatever it takes. We'd love, love to get further into the front of the line. Okay. Besides drilling on Douay, like what else are you working on? I just want to make sure that we wrap every, we, we got, we got everything there in terms of also news flow and expectations of what we can expect as investors before we jump to the Q&A part, because I know we've got a couple of questions in. Yeah, all that I said, it's happening on Jutel, NDA, drilling, information, historical uh, digitization of the analog data from Jutel, all that's going to be coming out. Of course, we're also outside the joint venture looking at some pretty exciting opportunities that would allow us to have projects under the Maple Gold's 100% uh, control that would be X, the joint venture, but also drive uh, shareholder value. So hopefully we'll be able to come to the market with something like that in the not too distant future as well. Fantastic, all right, that sounds great. That was a perfect like wraparound bow around certain uh, some things here. Uh, let's get to some questions. And Jake is asking, uh, ask about fall hole DO2288. Elaborate on, le on length and grade if possible, looks promising. What can you tell us? Yeah, you'd have to bring that one up for me to, to comment on it. Oh, okay, it's too specific. It's like, I, I didn't know about the whole thing, so, okay. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm pretty good, but I, can't, I haven't memorized every single hole. Okay, <laughs> uh, maybe I'll, I'll bring it up here in a second. But while we talk about the next question, the question is from Mark, and he's asking, can you elaborate on the BMO financing? Are they redistributing the shares to their clients or to a fund or into a fund? Do you have some more details there? 
I, I can't comment on that other, other than say that the uh, financing was done on attractive terms for us at 36 cents without any warrant attached to it. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. I'm just trying to see if I could bring it up. Oh, that was the uh, that was the highlight hole that was drilled in the 531 zone that encountered multiple higher grade intercepts. 6.95 grams of gold over 1.2 from 334 meters downhole. 5.1 yeah. over 2 meters. 459 and 334 or 3.34 grams sorry a gold yeah, yeah. so this yeah this is the 531 zone this new area so we, we, we are, we're quite interested in seeing where this goes this is a brand new area for us and we think this um, shows that there's uh, a lot of uh, smoke and potentially uh, uh, some fire to back that up so we'll be continuing and following up some holes right in around this area I think this points to 531 area to be potentially uh, an area for another addition to the resource. So that's what we're excited about there. I think you can see that there's some higher grade hits there um, and uh, getting to the source rock underneath this. I mean, really, like one of my favorite slides that I've talked to our team about is you know, we take a, a, a side by side view of where our resource sits and relative to other producible producing mines within Quebec. We're real, really, really shallow, relatively very shallow. We're a couple, 300 meters-ish uh, from service. But you go all the way down to Canadian Arctic, they're, you know, uh, 1.3 kilometers down, uh, you know, uh, a depth. Uh, we have uh, Telbel, which is uh, 800 meters. We have uh, Casabroid. So we're just scratching the surface. When you get to down into the guts of this thing and you see what the, where the plumbing sits, I think that's when you're going to see um, some sparks fly and, and people to understand why it is that we attracted the likes of uh, Vagnico and others. There were many other uh, potential suitors at the table, but we think we picked the best one. But that's why they're interested. I mean, they're not interested in this for just three, four million ounces. They're in interested in this for what the bigger, bigger long-term play is here. Yeah. Maybe one last question from my end before we wrap this up here. Yeah. Is, uh, and, and I've got that slide right in front of me that you referenced to. Um, are you planning deeper holds as part of the current program or is that maybe planned for later on where you're actually going to show, okay, this is where the cherry is actually. This is where we're going to hit. Of course, we're a junior. We can drill it out to 1,200 or 1,500 meters depth, but uh, we can show you in a couple holds that mineralization is there. Yeah, we're starting to show the vectoring and the different areas. I mean, RPA said already that under the currently drilled off areas, there was potential for half a million to a million and a half more ounces just under their conceptual pits that we've already identified. But then again, that's just in those areas, those vectoring uh, and that vector, uh, those vectors. So, you know, step by step, we need to be thoughtful. We have to think about the you know, cost of capital. We have to think about what the markets are doing. You know, we try to take a very uh, strategic approach to all these things. I mean, if you think about how many things are lined up as challenges for any junior mining company, it's quite a long list. And you have to be—you have to try to be as smart as you possibly can. You, sh you need to wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night thinking about how to drive shareholder value. You have to be careful about where you spend your money and be and, and be have a plan in place, have a vision in place. So what are you trying to get to, and by when? So, you know, yes, uh, we we, you know, we can't blow our brains out by blowing the entire budget on a one-year program to go doing a lot of deep pulls. You have to you have to pace it, drive the share share price up, you know where the cost of capital is going to be less expensive, if you have to do further financings years in the future, all those things. But right now we're sitting on a very, very healthy balance sheet. We have, um, you know, if you add in the warrants, we have 
maybe $60 million if all those gets those get exercised. We have 20-ish in the till right now, another 18 being spent on the project. We have room to look at other projects that are, you know, uh, sitting in kind of stranded, stranded orphan companies that, that may add a lot of value to our, to our company as well. So we, we think holistically as we focus on what is our primary two projects right now, as you tell, and do a under French Bidel's uh, wonderful tutelage. So, you know, we, we're, we're trying to drive the value forward. We try to be a standout company. I think we've done a lot of things correctly. Uh, we're not going to do everything correctly, but we're going to do our best to get everything right and continue to drive uh, shareholder value in a thoughtful and strategic manner. Fantastic summary. Matthew, tremendously enjoyed our conversation. It was great having you on. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, guys. Everybody else, thanks for watching. This was SF Live episode 161 with Matthew Horner. He's a president and CEO of Maple Gold Mines. Tremendously enjoyed the conversation. If you did as well, leave a like, leave a comment as well. What do you think? If you have any other questions, I'm sure Matthew trolls the, the comment section as well, and uh, I'm sure he'll see it as well, or we will forward it to him as well. So make sure to do that. Don't forget to turn on the bell notification as well. We do all our interviews live. So if you heard anything here, uh, you're definitely ahead of the replay crowd, and that's your advantage that we're trying to give to you. Since you cannot meet in person, this is the best we could do for you right now. And we'll get back to in person because Matthew is in Vancouver as well. Maybe on early fall or so, we'll, we'll get you into the studio here. And uh, for an in person update, it would be, would be great. So, love it. Awesome. Great idea. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll be back on uh, Thursday with another company update. Thanks so much.